wherever you listen throughout the world. It's football time! Welcome back to another episode of The Gridiron, guys. We are back after a big week six. How are you going this week, Cam? Uh, a bit depressed. I'm turning 30 tomorrow, so life's gone downhill. Um, but we did have a win in fantasy, so sucking to John. that He did lose to us. We were pretty nervous with Stefan Diggs coming hot on the trail, but we've notched up our second win after we've had a bit of a sluggish start with a few of our boys underperforming. So we'll look to uh, double up again this week. Yeah, we're really proving to the people why we run a podcast and clearly know what we're talking about most of the time. So that's good. To, <laughs> it's good. It's good to get another uh, chalk one up in the wind book column. But uh, I think shall we sort of move into the week that was week six? Review a couple of games. Yeah, I'd love to. Who have you got first up? Uh, look, I suppose the best way to sort of start off with there was a couple of games I enjoyed. Uh, we all know Americans um, quite famous for hating draws, aren't they? And there was a couple of games this week where they ran it into overtime, which was just great. It gives something for us to keep watching. Um, so I think starting it off with the Vikings versus the Panthers, that was a good game, actually. Both sort of cellar dwellers, you could say, three and three teams now. But Kirk Cousins managing to lead the Vikings to a overtime win with a nice touchdown pass to steal it from the uh the Panthers. I don't know. Darnold coming away. He's really gone from that three and zero start. Now he's gone on a three game slide, and he's really starting to feel the pinch. I think again, isn't he? Oh, he certainly is. Without Christian McCaffrey, that team is a whole different looking side. I know they've lost probably a few to injuries. Did Stephon Gilmore play, or are they probably waiting another week before he starts for him? Don't know. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's fair. Look, I, I actually didn't watch much of that game, so I can't really comment too much on it. But yeah. We kind of thought Panthers are going to be hot after three wins and Darnold has actually broken the mould of what he was like at the Jets. And, yeah, he has a little bit, but, yeah, they've slid to three in a row and I can't see them going much better again. No, but I think the big props got to go to, obviously, the big three of Kirk Cousins, uh, Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. They were lights out. Kirk rolled in 370 yards and three TDs. Cook with 140 yards on the ground with one TD. And then Thielen picked up over 100 in the air in a TD on its own. So it was really back to the days of old with those guys picking up the big numbers. So I think they're going to be a team that we go through the sort of the year. And the, I think the Vikings will surprise a couple of people. They'll come in as underdogs. And I think they'll manage to pit one or two, slide into that nice little playoffs and be sort of a bit of a dark horse this coming winter. Yeah, look, I don't disagree. I think Kirk Cousins is capable of doing a job. Delvin Cook, when he's healthy, is very good. And defense has actually showed up. I think they've been pretty unfortunate in a couple of their games, thinking back to the loss to the Bengals early on. So, I mean, there's there's not much difference between their three and three and maybe a five and one, four and two. So, yeah, look, I kind of agree with you there. They could slot into that playoff spot. Absolutely. And continuing on with another stellar game that went to OT, who would have thought this one? Cowboys versus Patriots. This was a bit of an end-to-end game, wasn't it, really, going throughout it? Mac Jones played an absolute blinder. Dak Prescott just threw lights out again. But unfortunately, it was the rushing yards that we weren't able to get with Dallas. They just couldn't get that run game running. Elliott getting only 70 yards on an average of about just under four. Are we, I'm assuming this is just a blip on the radar. We were just talking about how he was just getting back to form. But it just sort of shows that Belichick knows how to stop the main guys, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he really does. They kind of had to go away from their normal run game because their run game has been pretty successful this year. Um, I thought Mac Jones probably had his best game of the season this game. Um, he sort of broke that mould a little bit of he just plays in a system and he can't do things. Like some of his passes and some of his throws this week, like that big one out the back near the end was pretty awesome. So I think, look, is probably one of the better ones coming out of the quarterback class. It's sort of showing that he's probably the best one so far. But, yeah, Cowboys got out of jail there. I don't know how I feel about the Cowboys at the moment, actually. Five and one, but if we go back to who they've played so far, I'm not 100% sold on them. What are your thoughts? Well, I suppose it's hard because you sort of take out that game against the Bucks, and if they win that, they're a 6-0 and team, like quite mm. comfortably as well. Yeah. So you take that one out. They beat the Chargers by three. Then they've knocked yep. off the Eagles, Panthers, and the Giants. Now the Patriots at home. So, yeah, you're probably sort of sitting there going, I'd say, look, Bucks, Chargers, Patriots, probably tough games. The other three, mm-hmm. they were sort of walkovers, weren't they, really? I mean, the Eagles have just – they're a bit of rocks of diamonds sometimes. So if you get them away from home, you can really dispatch them quite easily. And same with the Giants, yeah. to be honest. And they get to play with them to an, another time again in their division. Yeah, that's right. I think probably because their division's a little bit weaker, they'll they'll easily win this division, I dare say. Like Washington have started to show a little bit lately, but not enough for me to suggest that they can contend in any of these games. They might lose one to them. But yeah, Cowboys, I don't know how deep they'll go. I'm not 100% sold on them yet. No, I think, and again, they've just got to be one of those offenses that keeps going and you don't, their defense is good, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. the fact is that to have like a sort of average defense and to go far in the playoffs, you need to have a really high powered offense that's clicking and he's pretty much scoring every drive. They're not doing that as much as say potentially like what the chiefs are doing at the moment. Now I know the chiefs are sort of struggling a fair bit on defense, but their offense can still run quite well. I don't think I'd put the Cowboys at the chiefs levels just yet, but if they were able to raise themselves up to there, then I would say possibly we're looking at a bit more of a contender, but not quite at Mm -hmm. this point. Yeah, no, I totally agree because I think looking at the games, they have let in actually quite a fair few points in the games. They average probably 25 points in each game. I know they score much more than that, but if they do come up a pretty stout defense and they're playing from behind, I'd really wonder how that's going to go. Correct. Uh, And then I think we roll into the final um, overtime game, which was the Seahawks versus Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh started absolutely lights out in this game and you thought they're going to run away with this. There's no Russell Wilson. Geno was doing Geno stuff, but... Just that second half by the Seahawks, they shut down Pittsburgh so well Mm. and made Big Ben look like he should have retired last year, to be honest. He was struggling big time. Oh, massively. And we I probably thought the same thing as you. Like we saw the start of that game and we thought, shit, Steelers are on here, they're back. I know they're playing a depleted Seahawks, but yeah, that second half was just a complete reversal. And you're right, Big Ben, he's just not capable of getting through full games, I don't think. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later if we kind of anticipated that he's going to be out. Yeah, and he's just not mobile. Like, he's never been mobile, but Jesus Christ, Big Ben, <laughs> the actual building is more mobile than him at the moment. Like, Yeah, Jesus. So, but yeah, look, it was it, it was actually a pretty good game, quite entertaining. I watched a fair bit of it. I was feeling pretty unwell enough to my second jab of the hut. Um, so <laughs> I got to enjoy a bit of it. But yeah, there was a few letdowns there. I thought Chase Claypool probably would have gone a bit better given the jujus out, but he didn't really feature too much, did he? No, well, he caught two of seven targets, so you he really was a non-event there. 
I thought Najee Harris played another lights out game again, uh, both in the passing and the running game. He's starting to get both of them rolling now, and he's really going to be the key to their offense going forward, especially with Juju out at the moment. Props to, I think, the biggest one was Gino. He was pressured all day. He caught yeah. five sacks, several pressures. Um, unfortunately, he gave away the forced fumble, which l- led to the game-winning field goal. But you look at how that play broke down, you can't blame him. He, he did everything right. He stepped up in the pocket, faked the throw, and the lane opened up. It was just unfortunate that there was an absolute man on a mission that was TJ Watt that came bearing <laughs> down on him. Anyone else, you run through scot-free and you probably make the first down. But those yep. Watt boys, they've had something different in their wheat picks from a young age, so there's just no way you're going to get away from them. Yeah, they breed them big in Wisconsin, don't they? I think that's where they're from. But, yeah, look, I think it's no surprise that the Seattle offensive line, which has never really been a strong point for them, is getting shown out more now with Russell Wilson going down because his escapability is phenomenal. Like, I guess it kind of highlights how good he probably actually is now that we have Geno under centre. Like, the, that game, I dare say, if you have Russell Wilson in there, they win. Easy. Yeah. All right. What are we moving on to some next games that caught your eye? Uh, look, I can't go by without checking out my boys. Um, 4 a.m. I got up for this one. Ravens Chargers. Now, this was touted as probably one of the games of the week. And it, I mean, if you're a Chargers fan or just a football fan, probably wasn't the best. Uh, Chargers offensive weapons really didn't fire. Herbert didn't fire. So, I mean, they were hyped up through the first five weeks, and rightfully so. Like, Herbert was dominant in a lot of games. I know they had that loss to the Cowboys where he probably wasn't at his best, but since then he has been on fire. The Ravens defense, I think is what sort of showed out here. They've kindly come back into a bit of form, stopping him three times on fourth down, which is a questionable decision for me. What are your thoughts on going for it on fourth down within your own half? They weren't actually down by that much at that point, And the game wasn't exactly on the line. What do you, what do you think about doing that? Look, I hate it. It's not Madden. All right. You can't just, Fake a um, fake a field goal or fake a punt and be able to toss it over the top and just you know press triangle catch. No, can't be done. Yeah. These boys are too good for that. Uh, and especially with some of the runs, you see the design plays that they're doing on fourth down as well. It's not mm-hmm. it's not showing out anyone, isn't it? Really. So I know it's ballsy, but it's really not the way to play. Essentially, you got to play field position, especially against a good team like Lamar. You got to pin them in their corner or punt it down to the inside the 20. You got to pin them down there, try and force them to make a long drive. You know, if they make a 12 play, 16 play drive down the field, then so be it. They've got to keep moving and they've got to keep jumping the third downs. But eventually you'll come up. You give yourself more chance, the more field that they've got to go up. Yeah, oh, 100%. I found it very bizarre, especially after the first one. They still kept going for it. And the reporters and all these commentators for me is kind of strange. And they're like, oh, I love. I love what Staley's doing here. He's really putting trust in his players and he's believing in what they can do. Yeah, that's great and all. But at the same time, you're giving up field position to a quality offense and a team that can kick field goals from distance. So you're just giving up points. More or less, you are giving up points every time you turn it over within your own half. Like some of the times they went for it on fourth and long and they're throwing at Marlon Humphrey and they made that mistake multiple times. Oh, why is he not going for the onside kick then as well? Like, if he's so brave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, yeah, it, it's bizarre. So, look, I was pretty happy. The uh, Ravens ended up winning 34-6. The only touchdown for the Chargers came on an intercept from Lamar Jackson, which strangely came directly after an intercept from Justin Herbert. So it was back-to-back intercepts on two plays. They got a touchdown from that. Other than that, they barely looked like scoring. Ravens then ran it down their throat. 
with the 2016 All-Stars of Freeman, Bell and Latavius Murray all scoring a touchdown. And probably the only other notable thing I saw was Rashad Bateman got his first chance, four first down catches, a drop at the end, which led to a pick. But, I mean, that didn't really play a factor in the game, so it wasn't too bad. Look, and any keen-eyed listeners would have known that uh, I did pick him as Offensive Rookie of the Year as a smoke A. Unfortunately, <laughs> he has been a little bit injured, so that one is probably out the door. But we look to see big things from the Batman. Uh, but moving on to that, what other games caught your eye? Uh, Cardinals-Browns was my next one. Now, we both tipped the Browns in this one, probably not in anticipating the outs that mm. the Browns had. I guess that's no excuse, but... Uh, the Browns had Nick Chubb out and two offensive tackles. And then the Cardinals had out Cliff Kingsbury and Chandler Jones. I mean, it's a coach, but sometimes that makes a big difference. But this game didn't go as anticipated. They blew out to a 20-0 lead. Um, Browns sort of clawed it back a little bit with a fantastic Hail Mary at half time from Baker Mayfield. But I think the story of the game was... Uh, Jeremiah Wusukaramoa went down with injury. Kareem Hunt went down with what I thought was an Achilles, but it looks to be probably just a calf injury. And then Baker went down hard as well. I thought he was probably going to be out. He came back. So for me, he looks a bit questionable. And I think if he goes out there, he's probably going to do detrimental to his team because I think he could probably be out and hurt again. What did you think of that game? Yeah, look, that was just a, a blinder by Arizona. I don't even know why we doubted it. Obviously, injuries play a part, but... Uh we thought that the Cleveland defense would put up more pressure onto Murray, but he had an absolute field day uh, over 200 yards, four TDs and just had his absolute way with them. Really. I think the Browns is an interesting one. Obviously Baker, he looks to be in a bit questionable form this week, which is quite good for his matchup against the Broncos. I will enjoy that, mm -hmm. but yeah. uh, we did like him airing it out. That was quite fun. Did you know, actually, this is now the longest pass in the air since I think about 2016, it was about actually 66 and a half yards through the air. So to all those that think he doesn't have a long arm, suck it. <laughs> yeah, look, I was actually pretty impressed with that and it was actually a good way to finish the half and sort of made the game a bit more exciting. Uh, I was a little bit frustrated with Kareem Hunt. I had him any time touchdown scoring our bets this week, but that didn't matter because the Bills lost and we'll touch on that in a second. But I guess it's probably time for us to concede that the Cardinals are legitimate contenders and they both look they look pretty good on both sides of the ball, don't they? Massively. They are undisputed, looking like kings of the NFC. Uh, I think they're going to roll through and they're going to be an absolute fighting force. They could really challenge for an undefeated season here. Uh, this isn't some Dickie Panthers and Broncos at 3-0. and This is the real deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, if I touch on the last game, and I think it has to be touched on, one that caught my eye was the Bills-Titans Monday night football. It probably had to be the best game of the week. Really slow start, um, kind of back and forth for a bit. Then it came to life with Derrick Henry with a 70-plus yard run. Josh Allen finished the half off with two touchdowns. And I'm not surprised, so I guess we went into this game. Titans are pretty depleted on secondary. They then lost Caleb Farley to an ACL, who came in as a number one, oh, sorry, a round one draft pick but he had back surgery, so he's just come in for a few games and now he's straight back out the back door again, so I feel really sorry for him. They took advantage of it, but probably not enough, and Henry just had his way and was super dominant, 140-plus yards and three touchdowns. And then we led on to the infamous fourth and half a yard attempt. It's a pretty contentious call. What are your thoughts on that? Again, what, like I 
it'll it struggles me when I think um, and I watch these guys and like they go for the win or say you know like for example when they get a touchdown and they're a point down rather than kicking the uh, extra point and to tie it up they'll go for the two point conversion or something like that you know mm-hmm. these guys were in range it was fourth and one it was the chip shot you you kick the field goal you tie the game there's ten seconds left we go to overtime. I understand there's momentum swings in a game and all this sort of stuff, but surely you want the chance. Like, I, I don't understand what this going for glory is. I know you don't want to be a, a safety Sam or something, but, like, come on, at least give yourself the chance, especially when you're going to do something garbage like that. Like, the QB sneak is a lost art, and we're going to touch on that later. <laughs> but don't just drill your head into the ground and try to beat them underneath them. You're never going to – it's never going to work, and then you just lost the game. So I think – Put it in the hands of your kicker because if you lose anyway, then normally people love hanging shit on them anyway, so it's fine. Uh, but I don't know. Give yourself the chance in overtime. Let it. I know it comes down to the flip of the coin, and that does suck. But at least it's better than you know, not getting past fourth and one and forever being a meme. Yeah, it's so disappointing. Like if that was if I was a Bills fan, I'd be furious. Like these, and as I said before about Herbert, they bang on about yes, we love this decision. Their coach is trusting the player. Man, you've just lost yourself a game. You've cost yourself top of the AFC. Not that the Bills are going to be down and out because of that, but that's a win you could have taken home and given yourself every chance to win it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think we turn to the Tennessee Titans. Excuse me, looking forward at uh, four and two. Obviously, they lost to the Jets, which was a bit of a diabolical one, but <laughs> leading by Henry, who I cannot understand why we didn't take him in the fantasy draft. This will be a decision that haunts me forever and ever. But I think, as you know, and as I've always said, and I always say this again and again, if you have a good run game, you've got a winner. What do we got here? An absolute stellar one, baby. And they are going to run himself right into the Hall of Fame and right into the AFC playoffs. Oh, he is on target for some stupid statistical numbers. And, yeah, you're right. Like, you put Derrick Henry on any competitive AFC or NFC team, and he's an absolute home run hitter. You put him on the Ravens, they're a lock for the Super Bowl. You put him on the Chiefs, thanks for coming. Like, it is ridiculous how much of a difference, especially this guy makes. Like he And people talked about, oh, you can't really catch in the outfield. He can. He's shown it that he can. But, I mean, 780 yards, 10 touchdowns through six weeks. Yeah, I'm furious we didn't take him in fantasy. Thanks a lot, Elvin Kamara. <laughs> well, well, I think we might uh, move on from that sour note and we'll get stuck into our award winners for this week. So kicking off with Rookie Watch, who have we got, Cameron? Uh, see, I tossed up on a few this week. Mac Jones, I thought maybe I'd like, but I've gone a bit left field and I've gone Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert from the Chicago Bears was a sixth-round pick. Probably started the season third on the depth chart behind David Montgomery, who's a very capable running back, and then Damian Williams. Now, he finally has gotten his chance, unfortunately, due to Montgomery going down to injury and Damian Williams, who's let us down because he was in our fantasy team and getting COVID. I hope he recovers, but he has now got his chance to be the number one starter and he hasn't disappointed for me. Last week, 75 yards on 18 carries. 97 yards on 19 carries this week and a touchdown also caught two passes for 15 yards. Now for a sixth round pick, I think that's absolute gems for them. I think he's someone that they can look to in the future and they could probably offload someone and get a bit in return for them and keep him as a second option behind David Montgomery. Yeah, very good. You love it when a good old list clogger manages to not just clog your (laughs) list and play well. So 
Good on him. I think I am going to move on for my winner this week. I'm going to go to the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, finally managed to break his duck, and he played quite a good game. He just managed to just squeeze past the Dolphins in a three-point win in London, but he balled out. He threw for 300-odd yards. He, he also got a touchdown, and the biggest one was no interceptions as well. So, And I think mm. we look at this, and he's starting to get there. He's got the monkey off his back. There were a few drops and there were some throws that probably should have been intercepted. Yes, I will admit that. Uh, you know, if you complete 25 out of 41, that's not a great day. Uh, but, you know, when you lead your team to the first win in 20 games, it's your first win of your NFL career. You've just stopped a four-game losing skid. I think that's something to celebrate. Yeah, I thought he was much more improved this week. Now, the Dolphins probably look, actually look the most surprising team this year. They are absolutely stinking up a storm. But congrats to the Jaguars. It's great. They uh, got their first win. They still haven't won a game on American soil in a number of years, but they do love a bit of a grind. So it kind of sticks to the uh, notion the coach loves a bit of a grind, Urban Meyer, so they love a bit of a grind themselves. Um, Yeah, I thought he was much improved this week. He led them on a little sneaky drive towards the end and Matthew Wright did the numbers and got him home. It was good, wasn't it? Uh, now we'll move on to our next one. Who flew for you this week and Cameron? Uh, flying for me this week. Now, probably a few questions on this guy. Trayvon Diggs. Now, he clearly leads the league in interceptions with seven. He has two touchdowns, which is the same amount as his brother, Stefan Diggs, who's now caught up to him with two this week. Um, so if you look at the pure numbers on interceptions, you'd probably say absolutely killing it, number one's cornerback in the league. But on the same token, he is the Jameis Winston of cornerbacks. <laughs> he is giving seven interceptions. He is giving up touchdowns galore. He is giving up yards. He did that one the other day, and then you wrote to me and said, geez, as soon as he's gone from hero to zero in the space of one play, he led in that 75-yard catch to Kendrick Bourne. And, uh, but he's still flying for me. I, I can't go past that. Yeah, no, that was hilarious. He's almost like the worst, best corner in the league or best, worst <laughs> corner. I don't know how which way you frame it, but it was pretty funny. Like he just ran through and that pick six was glorious. He jumped that route mm-hmm. so nicely and just picked it yeah. off easily. I think the ball might have come out of some hands, but yeah, he nailed that one and ran it back easy. But then, yeah, you just he just got rolled on a double move on the next play and Mac Jones went to him and he got absolutely caught out. But I think... When we look at Diggs, he will be good. And as I said, if you're winning, I think the numbers obviously work in your favour. People don't mind if you give yeah. up touchdowns as long as you're winning. Yeah. I think if you look back, as you said, Jameis Winston, if he threw 30 TDs and 30 interceptions but they got into the playoffs, no one would be worried about it. But it was the fact that they couldn't win, that's where it came up. So as long as the Ws keep coming, I don't think they're going to mind. Yeah, you're right. They're not going to magnify the issues as long as they're winning. Um, who have you got this flying this week for you? Uh, this week, it's my man, Aaron Rodgers. He was absolutely flying after he now joins an elite few of people who own both an NBA and an NFL franchise after his purchase of the Chicago Bears over the weekend. He dominated them again. A nice 195 yards, two touchdowns, and another one on the ground. He just loves playing against them, doesn't he? Oh, that was probably one of the funniest things. That and uh, C.D. Lamb waving goodbye to the Pats player, it was absolutely classic. I think he was saying that he saw a lady in the crowd giving him the double bird and he just saw red and let it rip. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, no, he had an absolutely good time. So 
hopefully we get to see Rogers in the Bears stands one time watching his team later on when he's retired. But <laughs> until then, we will continue to watch him roll them on the field. So now we'll move on to our dying. Who have you got? Uh, this week I've gone a bit away from the football and I've gone Jackson Mahomes, the brother of Patrick Mahomes. Now, look, I'm not trying to have a dig at the bloke just in general. It's just the things that he's doing like he has just, I mean, for Patrick Mahomes it might be quite frustrating because his partner tweets a lot and sort of puts her foot in it a bit. Now, Jackson has gone out. He does a TikTok dance on the side of the field every week. He does it in the stands and he loves getting on about the Chiefs. Whenever they lose, he lost to the Ravens. And, yeah, he probably copped it from the fans and he wasn't happy, poured a bottle of water on the fan and sort of made a name for himself there. This week he has. Now, he said that they were told to stand there, but there was a celebration for Sean Taylor who was killed, what, 21? Not 21 years ago. He's number 21. But he was killed around 2005, 2006 at a pretty young age and he was just one of their really good players. Now, they were doing a memorial for him on the 21-yard line his number 21 was sprayed on the sideline and fenced off. He has then proceeded to do a TikTok dance on the number. And look, it looked purposeful for me and it really rubbed the people the wrong way. He deleted and apologized, but I just think there's no room for this. TikTok dances don't belong on the sidelines. Go and support your brother. Go and do whatever you want in the box. Don't bring it to the field. He's just a genuine clout chaser, isn't he? Really? I think, uh, if you want to do your TikTok dances, at least be a juju and uh, stand on the field and take your licks, really. got to. But I think, uh, look, yeah, Mahomes has got enough problems with his team losing at the moment. He doesn't, need his, um, he doesn't need his brother and his wife or girlfriend, sorry, sticking the foot in it and causing more dramas for him, to be honest. Because, you know, as people like to say, we don't need to bring politics and stuff into sport, do we? Let the boys play. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. But, yeah, I just think it was pretty disrespectful. And uh, he's obviously remorseful of it, it seems, but it just I think it just did no harms. I'd be interested to see if we do see him this week. Um, what have you got for dying this week? Well, I alluded to this one a little bit earlier on, but uh, I think over this week the art of the QB sneak died and poor old Tom Brady, if he wasn't already dead, he was rolling in his grave. Uh, there were several occasions this week where QBs went it for on short situations and got absolutely stuffed in the run. Uh, look, as we just mentioned before, most notably it was Allen and the Bills uh, rather than going for the uh, kicking the field goal for the tie. But I would also like to throw out a special mention to Dak fucking Prescott. Thank you <laughs> for getting stopped on the goal line, not once, but twice. You're sitting at the one-yard line and you have three turns at putting it into the end zone, who are you going to feed it to? Are you going to try and sneak over the line or underneath all these linemen? Or are you going to feed it to your bloody monster in the backfield called Elliot and finish off my multi? Thank you, Prescott. <laughs> but anyways, look, I would just say that when we did used to watch this, and I swear to God, Tom Brady used to do this all the time and it was automatic. He just made it look so easy. He just went, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, why does no one else doing this? And I think this is why, because – no one can get it right. You see them sort of going almost to the side or underneath these guys, but this line just collapses. You've got to, you got to get those tall guys and get it over the top or something. I don't know how he did it, but he just made it look so easy and so pure. He did, yeah. He did. Oh, you're right, he did. And for someone who's really unathletic in terms of running, it was actually quite impressive. <laughs> but, yeah, look, bets aside, I know we're pissed off about our bets this week and we just need to get a win on the board. It's, it's, it's a rare decision for me. Um, hand that off to Elliot. Hand that off to Pollard. Run a play action. Try something different. Three in a, three is ridiculous. 
And in terms of Josh Allen and the Titans, I get why you'd probably do it and try and win the game there. But for me, take the safe option, kick the field goal, give yourself a chance of winning in overtime. Absolutely. Uh, now, moving on to our team of the year, we've got the offensive player. Who is stacking up this week? Uh, we went with big boys last week and we need to fill the position still. We've still got four open spot on the line. I have gone Zach Martin from the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this line is healthy this year. The Cowboys offense, as we know, is absolutely firing. Now, bar the uh, short distance runs that they can't get done, they are second in yards from rushing with Elliott coming back into form, Pollard running well with a one-two punch. No surprises, really. Zach Martin, previous All-Pro, I'm fairly sure, and Pro Bowler, he has just been a stout at the guard position and they are getting the run game going under him. Loving that. Coming up against him is another guard who has been on a team that has sort of flown under the radar but sits quite pretty at the moment. Uh, Quinton Spain, he's the guard for the Bengals. Now, Spain had a great game this week in the passing game. He's been keeping Burrow quite on his feet a lot. We talked about this earlier in the year that his protection was going to be paramount for him to stay in the league. Uh, but Quinton, he was unreal. So he only allowed one QB pressure on 41 pass block snaps this whole week. Um, and he was also instrumental in the run game, earning an 87.1 grade as a white run blocker with the Bengals ended up racking up over 142 yards on the ground. So he really did his work in the trenches. Yeah, so that's a pretty good pick between those two. Now for defense, who have you got? I've had to give some love to our preseason favorite for defensive player of the year, TJ Watt. He's finally stuck his head out. Mm. He's had a game. He rolled in. He pulled in seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, three pass defensed, and he also forced the game-winning fumble. Now, as we just said, the kids had some probably steroids while he's growing up. That whole family's been bred on Wisconsin <laughs> water. That holy mana tank water warriors just out on the farm and they just build them different. So, and he came out, he balled, and he just absolutely was a pest for Gino all day. He got in his face and just ruined his night. Yeah, he's earned that massive contract year for, the, for me this year. Like, he has been unbelievable again. Now, will he be robbed of Defensive Player of the Year? I thought he probably deserved it last year. Do you reckon he's sort of leading that at the moment, or is Miles Garrett putting his hand up as well? I think it's pretty tough because he was out for injury for a couple of games, but I think as the season goes on, he's really going to pad those stats up quite well. So watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. Now, for me this week, I've gone to Sean Elliott, uh, Ravens safety. He was a six-round pick out of Texas, and he sort of came in to sort of play that backup role to Earl Thomas and probably Chuck Clark at the time, which Chuck Clark is still there now. But he's ever since the Earl Thomas saga, he has just come in and not looked out of place. He got his first career uh, interception this week. He got a sack, two pass breakups, and two quarterback hits. He's been making waves in the secondary for me, and he slotted in perfectly to that, uh, that safety position. And he's just a hard-hitting big hitter that has just helped the Ravens come back to sort of sort of Ed Reed. Not he's not he's not Ed Reed. Let's let's put it that way. But he's sort of filling that role that we missed for a while in that safety position. Yeah, we love that. So make sure we're going to get these picks up on our socials. You get in, vote for your player who you think gets on, and we will reveal the results over the weekend. Now let's move on to the next segment. All right, we are rolling into another week of Meikle's Hot Minute, fresh off a hot minute last week, dishing Baker Mayfield, and Meikle has hit the mark again. Baker Mayfield has sort of let the, let the Browns down. I think no excuses there for him. What have you got for us this week, Stephen? Well, this week was more or less as expected in the games, but I'm going to go close to home and crack, have a crack at the Denver Broncos. 
particularly the front office decision making. I think there was a, there was a bit of posturing in this podcast after the three zero start from the Broncos' biggest fan in Zach. But now they've played some respectable teams. It's clear that no quarterback equals no success. The Broncos' last three high draft picks spent on QBs include Drew Locke in 2019, Paxton Lynch in 2016, and Brock Osweiler in 2012. Through free agency more recently, they have brought in Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Flacco, and Case Keenan. I think we would agree that none of these represent winning solutions, and the Broncos haven't been relevant at quarterback since Manning in 2015. The weekend was particularly bad with two gloves Teddy having four turnovers and losing to a team without a coach. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe the ball was getting stuck in those gloves of his. But it appears as if the Broncos are in a bit of no man's land. Are they rebuilding or are they pushing for playoffs? Zach, I'll bring you in here. What were your thoughts on the weekend's game and where do the Broncos go from here at the QB position? Yeah, look, it was a bit diabolical, wasn't it? I was probably guilty of getting high on my own supply after week three. Uh, we face down the barrel of now a three and three at the moment, probably 0 and three if you consider the any decent opponents. Uh, Teddy Two Gloves, who looked like the second coming of Jesus, has now barely hasn't arrived. He hasn't uh, emerged from the cave after three days, essentially. So he struggles. I think when we were – look, Elway's never been good at picking QBs. I'll say this, let's be honest, and that can even go back past those guys that you mentioned into everyone's favourite fan favourite, Tim Tebow. Um, but I think possibly towards the start of the season, we were sort of hoping for a Manning 2.0 in either Rogers or Watson. And unfortunately, none of those materialised, so we sort of went, screw it. Who's the next available? And unfortunately, it was Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Look, I don't think... Obviously, Teddy didn't have a bad game. Probably the four turnovers was bad. <laughs> but if I'm going to take a positive out of it, he did throw for over 300 yards and still got three TDs. So whether you want to say they're garbage time stats or not, I'll take it. But yeah, I think definitely there's probably going to be a lip a little bit more um, blame to me needed, needed to be laid upstairs with whether it's the play calling through Fangio, um, a lot of people want him gone, or the front office. I know Elway's not supposed to be picking who's playing for us, but I don't know. Some of that is just seeping down still and causing a little bit of mediocrity. Yeah, I think the Broncos have been super disappointing after you just rode them home after the first three weeks. Now, do you, if the season continues the way it's going, do you believe that they go to the draft or are you not happy with what you're seeing in the draft at the moment coming out of college? Someone like Matt Corral or maybe it was Spencer Rattler previously, but probably not now. Oh, I wouldn't touch Spencer Rattler with a 10-foot pole. Um, look, I think this might be a good year to go to the draft because there's no out-and-out number ones. We mentioned sort of Matt Corral as one. Uh, there's a couple of other guys out there that may sit at like that 10 to 15 probably pick. I think this is going to be a draft for like your elite defensive players and things like that. So possibly you could find a QB sort of in those later picks. However, I think I wouldn't go as passing sort of hedging our bets again and hoping that someone like Watson or Rogers is open on the free agent market really, because that seems to be the only thing that worked for us. We can't raise a junior QB. Like, we just can't. We need we need a set and out throbber to come in when he's sort of just a little bit past his prime but still not as, you know, hasn't blown out such as like Flacco or Keenum really. 
Yeah, elite flacco, you can't go past him. I'm surprised he didn't get the start for you. Now, Michael, looking at your last two weeks, the Broncos are coming up against the Browns and they're two of your favourite QBs going ahead against each other. What's your pick for that? Oh, I, th- I think the Browns are a better team, so I think they get it done, but I reckon Bridgewater has a better game than Baker does. All right, you heard it here first, so we'll go for Teddy Bridgewater to throw three picks and Baker to throw four. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, I can't wait. And we get it on Thursday night prime time for the Spud Bowl. So everyone strap on in and uh, enjoy it. All right, look, uh, coming off the back of that, I'm going to lick my wounds uh, and we're going to preview into week seven, which starts off with, as before mentioned, Broncos versus the Browns. Great primetime game. It's about time our boys got a bit of good footy under lights. Uh, Currently, I believe we are three-point underdogs. Cam, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, Yeah, I'd be surprised if you guys win this, but this is probably your chance to get a win on the board. They're depleted in terms of numbers, but I just think that the Browns are probably just good enough at home to get it done. Yeah, I think injury-wise, they could struggle, and that's where we could pip them. But it looks to be their defense is quite good. And I think if you sort of watch the past couple of weeks, especially last week against the Raiders, they just got the pressure in on Teddy and that just that offensive line. We've never been strong for offensive line. And especially now that you don't have a confident pocket passer in there, it just crumbled around him and he got sacked so many times. And so that'll possibly go again. I think, look, I want to say that we're going to cause a boil over here, uh, but uh, yeah, it's hard to go past the Browns, especially at home. So we'll give it to the home team on this one. Moving on to the Sunday slate of games. What sticks out in your eyes, Cam? Straight away for me, Chiefs-Titans. Now, pre-season, I probably would have said Chiefs rolled this one. Titans are now 4-2. and two. Chiefs are 3-3. Three and three. Chiefs are good enough to win this. However, as we've said week in, week out, their defense has holes. Derrick Henry is going to expose those holes, and he is going to gash them left, right, and center. What do you think? He's going to punch through that motherfucker like Swiss cheese. He's going to be ridiculous. So yeah. looking at Titans and Henry with 200-plus rush yards. <laughs> yeah, look, don't be surprised. I'd probably have him for multiple touchdown score. If I do put that in my bet, no doubt it'll lose. Um, probably the next game that I can see is Bengals-Ravens. Now, Logan Wilson has come out during the week and given it to Lamar Jackson. Now, some people said it praised him. I'm not sure if it felt that way. He said he is a quarterback – sorry, he is a running back that plays quarterback. Now, I'm not sure if that's having a dig that's saying he just runs or it's actually saying he's a very good athlete. Last time someone said something about Lamar Jackson from the Bengals, he absolutely schooled them. So let's see how they go this week. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he's he's on a trot at the moment. Like this guy is tossing it up quite well and winning quite convincingly. We've sort of talked about this before. He actually has a receiver core that can catch the ball now as well. So I think it makes it interesting because previously we might have thought that the Bengals wouldn't have been up to it. But at the mm-hmm. moment, the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and you've got Joe Mixon out of the backfield, they create quite a nice little three pair there. Um, I think it'll be a big test for Burrow, especially since your defense has come on song recently. Can they get up? No, I think Baltimore are going to be too strong at home. They're going to keep rolling through here. Yep. Oh, look, yeah, I'm, I'm always a bit dubious on that. I know we're at home, it makes me nervous that we're just going to slip one up because we are top of the AFC at the moment. But, look, I'd hope we get that done. But Bengals are looking much better than we first anticipated. They're probably the next best team at the moment, besides the Browns, who are a bit struggling with numbers 
is there any games that stick out for you? That's kind of it for me at the moment. Yeah, massively. I think this week, unfortunately, we've got a few cellar dweller games. Like there's some two and one win teams playing against each other. Uh, probably out of those that I don't mind is the Jets versus the Patriots. That'll be a interdivisional matchup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Wilson up against Jones. Uh, I'm loving what Jones is doing. We mentioned him a little bit before. Wilson's had the week off. He's had a little bit of time to reflect. You know, unfortunately, he sits at four TDs and nine interceptions at the moment. So, but they do come off after having beaten the Titans. Unfortunately, they lost to Atlanta. Now they've had the bye. Can they come back a little bit? I don't think so. Mac's going to power through and shred that secondary with his deep passing. Yeah, look, I agree. I think it could be a pretty good game. Um, and it's always good to see rookie quarterbacks go up against each other to see who's sort of the better one. And we're kind of saying Mac Jones is number one at the moment. Wilson's actually been pretty solid. Well, I shouldn't say solid. He's improved. Um, but Mac Jones, I think I think this is his game. He's going to break out again, and they're going to put up some numbers this week. Absolutely. And then I think finally finishing off for the week, uh, we look at New Orleans versus Seattle. Seattle again with the prime time. Russell Wilson's still out. Uh, Gino versus Winston. How do you see this one going? Yeah, this is a really interesting one for me. The way that Seattle played in that second half, I think that would be enough to get it done. But the Saints are a weird team for me this year. Like I know Jameis Winston under center is sort of hot and cold. They've got good players on the offensive line. Their defense is pretty solid. They've got a good cornerback in Marshall and Lattimore. They have all the players they should get it done. I know they're missing Michael Thomas, and I think we'll probably see him in the next few weeks, I think. But I dare say the Saints get this done. The Seahawks are going to drop down to the bottom of the NFC West pretty easily without Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we look ahead to a good week seven. but And I think we'll move on to some college football. Now, unfortunately, uh, team of the podcast, Iowa, went down in a boil over to the Boilermakers, uh, excuse the pun, <laughs> 24 to 7. I think going off last week against Penn State, we sort of saw in the past couple of weeks that the offense has started for Iowa. And this week, they basically, they just can't play from behind and Purdue got up fast and Iowa was never be able to make it down, make it back. They end up going down 24 to 7. Uh, and they end up losing their second place ranking and now currently sit at about eight or no, or they're just outside the 10. Apologies. 11. 11. Yeah, yeah. 11. Yep. Yeah, pretty disappointing from them. I kind of We've kind of put the jinx on a few teams and we'll probably see who we can put the jinx on in this week in a minute. Any other games or any other rankings that stick out to you after week seven or eight, I think? Look, obviously, massive game from top two now, Cincinnati and Georgia. They both ran through their games. Georgia taking on the previously undefeated number 11, Kentucky. They disposed of them easily. And Cincinnati taking on an always decent uh, UCF. They put up 50 over them. So they're looking quite solid at the moment. We talked about them before being, you know, the first team outside of the Power Five to potentially make the playoffs. They're sitting themselves pretty. We talked about their draw. They could easily win out and they could sit there as number two team, especially if they don't lose another game. It's going to be hard to unseat them. Uh, the, mm-hmm. Both the Michigan teams still undefeated as well. Alabama came back. And I think probably the biggest talking point was Ole Miss versus Tennessee. Quite a close game for your boys, but they end up going down after a heavy delay due to a lot of rubbish and uh, things being thrown on the field by the spectators there. Yeah, pretty contentious, that one. There was a lot of decisions in that game that sort of, and I don't want to be biased, that didn't go our way. And look, that's football. These things happen. 
Um, and then there's talk of the old Miz fans were the ones that started the throwing and then our student section joined in. I mean, that's just going to be speculation for a long time. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. We caught the L. But with a paper-thin roster at the moment, I think I'm pretty happy with how Josh Heupel's got this team going. There were lots of recruits there on the weekend. The stadium looked sick. It was loud. So look for us to sort of rise in the future. Yeah, certainly on the up. And if you can nab a bowl game this year, it's only mm-hmm. it's only going to get better, really. Uh, I think we move on to view the next sort of team. Last week, as we said, we sort of previewed a bit of Cincinnati in their run home. Uh, so now we're going to have a look at one Oklahoma State. They currently sit undefeated at 6-0 as well. They're ranked eighth. Uh, they have a bit of a tougher road into the playoffs, um, sitting in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, they've got a few conference game matchups coming up. Uh, starting off with, again, this week against Iowa State, where they are actually the underdogs coming into this, even though Iowa are 4-2 and two at the moment. Yeah, so look, this is probably another one that, as I said before, we can sort of jinx because they are definitely heavily under, underdogs here and we were very surprised when we first saw that. Now, they get this win here. They've got Kansas the next week. That's probably an easy win, Kansas, or a basketball school. West Virginia is one that is probably scary. Now, I guess if they can win out and get to Oklahoma, if I said that Spencer Rattler was still playing quarterback, I'd probably say OK State were my favourite. But now that Caleb Williams is now quarterback there and got the offense humming, if they can win out to Oklahoma, do you see them beating them and making the playoffs? I'd like to say so, but i got to agree with you. Caleb Williams has absolutely transformed that Oklahoma team. Uh, so it'll be good to see because, as we sort of mentioned before, Big 12 don't have a conference championship game. So that rivalry game for the last game of the regular season, if they both win out, could technically be the conference championship game, I suppose, if you want to spell it a mm-hmm. different way. But... Unfortunately, no, I don't see them being able to knock off Oklahoma at the end of the year, but I see them quite easily being able to run through Kansas. Uh, Potential banana skin game against West Virginia. They have the Horned Frogs, who they should beat. Uh, Possibly a bit of a tough one in Texas Tech the week before they run into Oklahoma, but I think that'll just be a nice little tune-up for them. But, yeah, unfortunately, they're going to take the L on the last week of the season. Possibly you're looking at a New Year's Six Bowl for these guys but I don't think they're going to get the playoffs. No, unfortunately not. I agree. And look, that's a pretty good result for them, I suppose. Pre-season, I don't know if they were ranked at all. Now, if they can sort of get through this slate of games, they'll definitely be ranked top 10, top five going into those sort of last few weeks. But, I mean, for Mike Gundy's team, this is a pretty good season so far. I don't really, to be fair, I haven't really watched much of them. And I might, obviously, we sort of like to jump on a few teams. So this could be our team this week. Uh, we might have to tune into this game against Iowa State and see what the deal is because I'm, I'm really unsure why they're the underdogs this week. $3 in the betting, it looks pretty tasty. Yeah, so if you like a little uh, tinkle, I think that's probably going to be the one f- to get you through the college before we roll into best bets and into NFL next week, hey? Yeah, that's good for us. Go Pokes uh, this week for the Cowboys. Now, anything before we go this week, Zach? No, I think that's about wraps us up, doesn't it? It's been another great week. Uh, we're on the up. We're only getting bigger and better. So thanks for tuning in to the number one gridiron podcast in Australia. We'll keep serving it up to you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for letting us in your crib. It's been real. <laughs>